Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Turning woodworkers into knitters since 2007. Here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's happening, everybody? It is show number 506. On today's show, we're talking about curfing planes, close calls, and why rustic furniture is crap. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener. This month, they're giving away a Dust Right Dust Separator, which turns your shop vac into a two-stage dust extractor and eliminates clogged filters. It has over 800 five-star reviews and is a $99 value. Enter for your chance to win before August 1st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. Is that more five-star reviews than this show has? Oh, it doesn't take much, man. <laughs> Come on, man. We're terrible at this. So if you want to leave us a review, Shannon will tell you about it at the end of the show. If- so what you're saying is a, a, yeah. fan, a fancy bucket has more reviews than our podcast of 10 plus years. <laughs> I think I think it's what we're saying. Is, is, is it actually a fancy bucket or is it just a bucket lid? No, well, I think I, I got to see I what they're doing because I know particular they product. Yeah, the last time I saw it, at least when I first introduced it, it was the full yeah. get up, like, you know, the separator oh, okay. lid in the bucket. Well, then, yeah, it probably deserves more five star reviews. <laughs> so, like, I had one of those two stage extractors and it was just a trash can lid that I that I would take exception to. But if it's a full bucket, then, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, we've talked about the many uses of buckets this on the show in the past. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Could always use an extra bucket. <laughs> uh, and well, you know what? If you want to help support the show, you can do so. You can go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of our show. This week, we're thanking Neil Newman, Dan Broderick, Anthony Sargent, John Ware, and Austin Jones. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to clarify that the dust right separator that retails for $99 <laughs> is the full <laughs> unit with the bucket. The so whole the bucket thing. and the lid. Yep. Pretty cool. All right. Let me scroll down past this giant graphic that's in the document here <laughs> that I can't see past. There Don't it is. Put that there. That would be my fault. Uh, let's get to what's on the bench. So I just finished a shop project. Uh, sometimes these can be the most frustrating. So it should be the simplest thing. I'm just making this vertical swing out rack. The plywood aspect of it is not the problem. Anchoring it to the wall. And then, you know, you guys know my floors, right? They're awful. And trying to have this thing swing out and stay in its plane and not sag at all. That's the real challenge with this project. I'm just, I'm just waiting uh, for like two years from now where it doesn't like pull off the wall anymore because the floor moved. We're right. going to have to the watch floor the moves. And it, like I'm going to have, I think every off week the wall actually, I should probably be inspecting the hinges every week. <laughs> yeah. I really don't want this thing to be like airborne. I don't want it to be above <laughs> the ground, but who knows? Colorado is like that sometimes, but, uh, the project itself is pretty cool. Um, it's funny because way back when in Arizona, when I had like giant shops, that's was kind of my thing at the time. 
Um, I was able to do a swing out, similar version swing out, but with the, the pieces apply horizontal and I would swing it out toward the garage door. I just don't have that kind of space here. So the only option was to go vertical is actually uh, John's idea. I mean, every good thing that comes out of my shop these days is John's idea. And uh, yeah. this is a vertical orientation. So that it's basically storing everything that was stored there before, but instead of like kind of haphazardly leaning it against the wall, making it really difficult to get the sheet that's in the back. Um, these are now on this little cart that swings out, makes it easy to load and unload. And most importantly, I don't have a bunch of plywood leaning against the wall. So I can kind of get to the stuff at the back and not have any problems with that. So uh, that was a fun little project, but I'll tell you, I don't use Tapcons very often, but I thought they would be easier than this. And <laughs> apparently there's a bit of a learning curve to these things uh, in terms of like how deep you drill the hole. They say to only go a quarter inch deep. But I think what they're what they're counting on is the fact that you are going to get every speck of dust out of that hole that you drill. Yeah. Because I would get these things down and I did exactly as they said. I even was a little more generous, went a little bit deeper. And I cracked so many heads on on those bolts. It was <laughs> yes. it was so bad that I had to scooch over an inch and try Start again. over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the only way I did this was to go like, I don't know, it was only in like an inch and a quarter bolt. And I needed to go in, I don't know, like an extra half inch. And then I sucked out the dust. Then I hit it with some compressed air just to make sure it's as clear as possible. I waxed the screw and then I put them in. I put them in manually. Like I didn't even want to use a drill because those things were such garbage. Um, thankfully, that was what worked. But if you just follow the instructions, huh. you, like I said, you better clear that hole and be 100% confident it's clear or else you are going to be busting some tap guns. So a I bit of a learning curve. I, I was using it when I redid my shop walls and I remember the impact driver was the worst thing ever. Like they're yeah. super brittle. The, the, the yeah. screw itself oh, yeah. is so brittle. And I'd put the little, um, which may call it socket driver into my impact driver uh -huh. and it just would like snap it in seconds. It's I was snap. like, Oh crap. Yeah. And then it's <laughs> I was using a hammer drill. Well, yeah, I was using the hammer drill to drill into the concrete. Right. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, same thing, right? Impact in driver. And, <laughs> and I had like three inch tap cons. So it's like, oh, you boy. don't drive a three inch screw without an impact driver. Nope. That case, I guess they're just, they're so hard. They're just super brittle. How funny is it that the screw can't take torque at all? No torque on this screw. Bad idea. Yeah. What's the composition on this screw that it breaks that easily? And it's like, I'm going in the concrete here. I would expect this to be a little more durable, but there's a system to it. And then I actually was able to get two full hinges, a total of eight of these uh, driven into the concrete uh, wall. And the, I guess it's like the stem wall in the shop. Um, so I was able to do it successfully, but it was definitely something I had to, to get some practice on. So, uh, but that's what happens when a woodworker <laughs> does things with masonry. <laughs> Bad things happen. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for me. What about you, Matt? Oh, I have been working on my serpentine chest drawers thing once again. Yeah, you have. Which uh, I've been watching. Oh, it's so like I was thinking about this. The last thing I made, like piece of furniture I made was the dressing vanity. I finished that in September. Oh and God. then like I started doing these things with that business where I'm like, oh, I have this all these products now. I got these chair kits, I got these workbench kits. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, I moved. And that that took me to like now. So like I haven't really made mm -hmm. anything for like 10 months, like yeah. really like furniture projects. And I kind of forgot that, you know, I actually really like woodworking. <laughs> like there's a reason I started doing this. <laughs> like this is this this is nice. I, I kind of like being out here in the shop and like making things and having stuff come together and and uh, and all of that. But at the same time, I'm like this project is there's like nothing simple about it. I'm like, mm -hmm. I think the next uh -huh. thing I'm going to make is going to have straight lines because yeah. it's, it's just so much more like it's just, except for that Bombay you want to build, that's which makes it even worse. When I spend enough time away from the curves, then we'll go back to that. And maybe I'll dabble in that like every now and then to like a board. But like at this point, I'm like, I just want to be done with like these little pieces. Like everything's a production with this project. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to put a molding on? Great. Let's make some templates. Everything's making <laughs> templates. <laughs> templates of this, templates of that, blah, blah, blah. It's things that should take like not that much time, take an exorbitant amount of time. I'm like, I'm just kind of like, ugh. so I think if but at I, at least it's a, at least it's not a guild project though. I think that's probably why I like it more too. Yeah. To be honest. Cause, Cause the documentation becomes a whole lot more difficult when, when you do it for the guild. So I'm spending quite a lot less time on camera talking and like, yeah. I guess coaching through the, the mm -hmm. process. Cause I think 
when I look at the way that I present for the guild, I tend to coach more from like, here's all the possible things you can do wrong so you don't screw up. I really try yeah. to focus on that aspect of it. So I have to do like I have to like think through like all these scenarios of like how is someone gonna screw this up in their shop and how can I prevent them from doing that? Yeah. <laughs> the best way possible. So not not having that in the back of my mind is, is kind of nice. So I can just kind of run through it and it's a lot more abbreviated, just kind of more documenting the process, which is makes it feel a little better. Uh, but one thing I was thinking about this too is this is like if I ever do a project like this again. The one tool that I'm buying to make that project easier is a CNC. Because <laughs> I spend huh. like how many templates am I making? I have so many like variations on this curve for the case. Mm -hmm. Like I have the original curve template. I have an offset that is negative an eighth of an inch. I have a template that is positive uh, an inch and a sixteenth. And then I have one that is the inverse of the negative eighth. And then I have one that is positive seven eighths. I'm like, how, like, and that's like half the time is like making templates. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and, and of course, yeah. because I made the original template, it's not symmetrical. So if I flip one piece <laughs> upside down, now it's not symmetrical across the entire face of the drawer fronts because mm -hmm. it's a little bit off because I made it. I'm a human. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Like the time I would have spent, I could have saved just by having a CNC to do like the temp, just the templates or even like make, I'm thinking about it this way too. Like, for the transition frame with the curves in it and the steep miters, I'm like, I could just have the CNC cut that with the miters and the right length and everything. Yeah. Aren't you kind of overdue for a CNC at this point? I'm surprised you don't have one. I think that I'm, I'm going to get one. <laughs> this, this was the thing to push you. This is what I'm like, cause all the time when I'm thinking about the CNC. I'm like, oh, I'll be like cool to like have and use like whenever, but when am I really going to use it to use it? Like effectively as part of the workflow, Right. And I found the project where like the perfect, it would be a perfect complement to the workflow of that project. Yeah. And, well, it's a bit of a challenge too, when even incorporating it this way, because there's always this thing in the back of my mind, like, am I just using the template or the CNC to make templates? Like, why am I not using the CNC to cut actual parts uh, as opposed to making a template that I then use to use old fashioned techniques right. to, to make it right. But I can see if you're doing something like with the complexity of, I don't know, the feet, you know, those bracket feet that you're putting on this piece. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly something you could just knock out on the CNC easily, but you could make the template and get all the, the marks transferred and have everything be symmetrical and pretty even. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely or even like minimally the, like the transition molding can be completely done on the CNC. Yeah. Like completely with the miters and everything. You measure your actual case size, lay it out in CAD, and it would cut the exact miter angles at the exact right position so that mm -hmm. molding is exactly the right length to go on there. I'm out over there trying to scribe lines and cut a miter angle that is, what the heck was it, 54 degrees on the oh, miter gauge? Yeah. Something like yeah. that? I don't know. That's, I like seeing that kind of woodworking. Like, I don't know that I want to do it myself, but I'm very interested in seeing it happen. <laughs> I know like, Daryl Peart does a lot of that. <laughs> I'm spending so much um, time making templates. Yeah. And they're not that perfect because yeah. I'm a person. Well, there's a, I think it's, it's Daryl's, um, dresser that he did. It's a, the low dresser, not like a tall chest of drawers. And someone had asked if he's going to bring that project into the guild. And he said, well, that might be a little tricky because a lot of this design, it, the thing that enabled him to pull some of those details off was the fact that he incorporated CNC into this, that to do it any other way would be, it would just have to be completely re, like figured out a different way to make that thing happen. So it's, it's always cool when people are really not replacing what they do with the CNC, but actually doing more mm -hmm. than they could do if they didn't have the CNC. And they're still doing plenty of like classic woodworking while they're doing huh. it. There's, there's I, no glamour in all this, a lot of this stuff. That's the problem, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can, make it, it. I can make an inverse negative template, but it takes me three steps with, you know, two different router setups. Right. And it's probably not super perfect because like I'm not feeding perfectly consistently. There's a little bit of chatter in the bit or something that gets screwed mm -hmm. up. And then what? Then you're like, okay, so I'm sitting here like putting CA glue on a template to get rid of a little divot and then standing up like, oh, that's not like, that's <laughs> not the woodworking that I want to do. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. And maybe it's, I think that's kind of par for the course with 18th century stuff too. Like every, every guy's shop that I've been into that specializes in it, it's like all templates. <laughs> like I'd go into Chuck Bender's shop and it's like, he's got a template room practically. It's just, well, you spend so much time making these things. The There's no way I'm tossing them. Yeah. 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 It's just part, 
part and parcel for 18th century. You just have to start making like planar furniture. Get into mid-century. You won't need templates for that. You'll be fine. <laughs> Except for chairs. Then you're screwed. That's then it. you need yeah. templates. Yeah. Never mind. Never, Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but he makes his chairs by CNC too anyway. So Yeah, that's, that's a whole nother level of CNC though. <laughs> that's a whole different kind of CNC. <laughs> nice. Well, right, what about you, Shannon? Well, I am well and truly into the summer of guild presentations. Um, I am, I am nine down, um, quite a bit more to go. (laughs) You've done nine uh, already. I have. Well, that's crazy. Let me me be clear. One of them, one of them was a four part class. Um, so so technically I've done, done five, that counts six, whatever. But, um, this, this four part class that I taught was actually really fun because it was just, it was entirely on hand sawing. And I wanted to just not talk at people, you know, I mean, how boring would that be? It's bad enough people falling asleep in guild meetings anyway. I didn't want to just sit there and lecture about sawtooth geometry and, and different stuff all day. I wanted to actually build something, but I, I kind of didn't want to get caught up in all of the other stuff like hand planing and chiseling and all the things that people get distracted by. Because the minute you pull out a tool, that's all anybody sees. And suddenly the questions come in and you're talking about a technique and somebody wants to know what, what brand of plane are you using there? It's like, that's not important. <laughs> Just move on. So I designed a, a bench, like a sitting bench, um, that could be built using nothing but saws. Um, and you know, certainly I went out and I bought S4S lumber. I bought construction lumber actually. Um, you know, to try to make it as accessible as possible. The funny Sounds part expensive. is construction lumber is hardly accessible <laughs> anymore. It was, I spent $70 on three boards at Home Depot. It was, it was bad, but, um, it was really fun. Like every time I, and, and I wanted to just not make like a five board chest type thing that just slapped together. I wanted to have some actual joinery. So where I would have mortise and tenons, I used bridles because I can cut a bridle using nothing but a saw. I don't have to chop out a mortise. Um, cutting in different like cutouts and, and curves and angles and things in the bench just to basically for the sake of here's another saw cut. So by the time it was finished with the bench, I had basically accomplished every type of saw cut you could possibly imagine coming up in a project from curve cuts to resaws to bridle cuts to dados to cutting a groove, cutting a wide tenon like you would in a breadboard. And I'm actually... <laughs> kind of surprised it all came together. Like it, it was, it was done, you know, in a live class format and sure enough, it all came together and it's actually like insanely comfortable to sit on. Mm-hmm. There was a, a fine woodworking article years ago where um, I'm not going to remember the author, but he made a, a, an outdoor bench, like a picnic table type bench. And he took the idea of using two slats on top, but then putting a taper so that they taper towards the center so you have like a little butt divot in the middle, essentially. <laughs> um, and I, I remember like he created a sled for the planer to like hike it up at an angle and then run the plane, the board through. So you got a taper off of the whole thing and then, you know, set them on top. So I stole that idea, but instead I used a resaw. But I got to say, it's a really comfortable way to build a bench. Like, and it's kind of like the cheating way of saddling like a Windsor chair or like pulling out, you know, carving out the center of a seat just use two boards, taper them towards the inside and glue them together and you're good to go. But it was, it was really fun. I, I did not use, well, that's not true. I used a chisel once because I had a little bit of, of gnarly grain that I had to pop out a bridle that I couldn't saw out. Um, but, uh, otherwise all I did was use a back saw and, and like a normal 26 inch saw and I built an entire project. It was really cool. It was really fun. It was a great exercise. Um, and if nothing else, um, you know, if you want to improve your sawing, it's going to, it's a pretty, pretty cool way to do it. So I had a lot of fun with that. Like Matt said, it's fun to actually build stuff. <laughs> Go figure. Crazy, huh? <laughs> it looks good. I actually just went to your Instagram and, uh, it's a couple, a couple posts back, but I see it. Yeah. I'm assuming I mean, that that's it, right? The, with little that doesn't have the top. fully tapered, the fully tapered one board in that picture. I don't think was tapered yet, but yeah, it looks like it's yeah, almost and, done and, in this picture. But then also the, the whole aspect of working with like wonky construction lumber, and creating square joinery, like using techniques like called like square rule, the timber framers use where there is a perfect tenon inside that cupped board and Mm -hmm. being able to cut a perfectly flat and square tenon out of a ridiculously cut board and never grabbing a plane, never flattening the board is actually kind of liberating. Actually, it's like, all right, maybe I don't need these hand planes anymore. Just, just pitch those things. You can just (laughs) buy all my lumber S4S from the mill and I'm good to go. 
Yeah, that's cool though. Great project. Yeah, it was fun. All right, we was- got a we got some kickback. <clears throat> Actually, it's mostly announcements. Um, my mom wanted me to let everybody know that we have Wood Talk T-shirts available because they're taking up space. I'm wearing garage. mine today. Oh, you are. I am. Nice. It's a it's a fun T-shirt. It's a, like a blue color, like a light blue color, bluish gray, I guess. Uh, you can find that at twwstore.com, and it's a. Uh, it's the, what do we call it? The Inside Joke All-Star t-shirt. Yes. Right? You listen yep. to this show. It doesn't take long before you become an Inside Joke All-Star. <laughs> um, so we always appreciate that if, uh, if you guys pick up one of those shirts. Uh, yeah, now this thing came- shirt or Mark's mom's going to make Mark build another cabinet to put the shirts in. Right. right. And we see how that went last time. So, <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So yeah, so I've actually had a couple different people um, drop this link, one in the guild group and one emailed us, but there is a Lego wood shop. Have you guys seen this yet? I have because, so, you know, I'm in those I same think so. groups. Yeah. You see everything <laughs> I see. So <laughs> Lego post- has this like... <laughs> Right. They have this whole like Lego ideas thing. And I guess you could submit ideas. You have to kind of build it. And when you submit it to them, you send it out to the community. And I guess if it gets enough support votes, then it actually like has a chance of becoming a real kit. So this is a wood shop that it's like a fully functional type wood shop barn with multiple woodworkers and some things you'll recognize in there. We're going to put the link. It's obviously not a simple link, of course. Uh, We're going to put that in the show notes if you want to go check it out. But I believe all you have to do to quote unquote support this thing is to have an account with the Lego website and then click the support button. Um, You don't have to pay anything. You're not buying anything or pre-ordering anything. It's just a vote that says, hey, I would buy this if this thing was actually produced. And I believe, where are they at now? Let me go to this link. 444. 444. And I think, according to the comment that I saw by Lego on that post, that they have to get to 1,000. This thing says it has 414 days left to get there, so. Yeah. And I think what happens is if you get to 100, (laughs) they extend the campaign by 365 days. Okay. So that's what happened. So they got the extension. That's like a really long time. (laughs) Yeah, like if you think of it like a Kickstarter, that's a, that should be plenty of time to like get to a thousand. Really but. trying to give you all of the possible time to get all the support you could possibly get. Yeah. So I mean, it actually, if they got four forty four now, it actually surprises me that all all it would take is a thousand. Maybe a thousand gets them to the next level, but maybe it doesn't mean they're going to make it. It has to because be like it doesn't seem thing. like it would take much to get to a thousand. This is how well I know this I want to. I want to know what Lego thinks the difference is between the green woodworker and the spoon carver. I'm trying to zoom in on the minifigures. Apparently <laughs> right. it comes with a, with a cabinet maker, a uh, turner, green woodworker, spoon carver, and cabinet maker. So uh, obviously I think you just have to look at the, the hair. The spoon. It's the hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm looking at. It's like. Yeah. Got to look at the hair. That's uh, how you define them. Oh, see, I but see it, Matt Cremona on the far right. That's mm-hmm. the cabinet maker. Yeah. That hairy guy. Yeah. That's he's Matt. got like this crazy on. hair. Yeah, that's it. Is that a? It's a cool concept. Holding a plane, Um, or is that like a boat? Looks like an iron. (laughs) I think it's a board. Like a clothes iron. The other hand, yeah. I don't know. It's got to be. It's got to be a carpenter. Yeah, I don't know. Do you guys remember when somebody made the new Yankee Workshop? They made Norm shop out of Lego. I do remember. That was years ago. I think somebody posted it on Fine Woodworking, like on the Knots forum or whatever, but. That wasn't, um, that wasn't like a kit. That was like somebody who had a bunch of spare Legos and made it themselves, like recreated yeah. the new Yankee workshops. Pretty cool. You know, back in maybe 2000, I don't know, 2009 or something like that. Um, the woodworks store in Ohio had some kind of deal that they had to stop doing. Cause I think Lego got to a point where they wouldn't let things like this happen easily. Um, where they had these little kits, you could actually buy power tools. Most of them looked like powermatic tools. So they were all yellow and they had a planer, uh, drill press, table saw. They had a whole bunch of these. I actually, I believe I still have some of these in my office. Um, Lego probably wants me to pretend I don't have them, but <laughs> they're, they were kits that you could buy with full size power tools. Um, and they just stopped making them. It's pretty cool though. I'm pretty sure I posted, man, I got to go back to my Instagram feed because that looks like something I would have assembled, taken a picture of, and then put away somewhere. <laughs> so I'm, I got, it's got to be in my Instagram feed somewhere. Anyway. Lego's great. Cool stuff. So we'll put the link in there. Let's get it to a thousand, whatever that means. I don't know what that'll do, but let's, let's do it. I don't know. I want to see this it's thing like, that's just a milestone. Cause then just there's a 5,000 yeah, milestone, and there's, a milestone and there's a 10,000 milestone. So it's, that, it's okay. Cause it can't be that easy, right? <laughs> like, or else they'd be cranking these things out left and right. And it's, it's not that easy. Yeah. 
So let's at least get to a thousand. Yeah, Maybe that'll give I them another year. I think you gotta get ten thousand. Okay, that's a lot. But it adds one hundred eighty-two days for every jump. So okay, you have possibility you, of adding another time. year between a thousand and ten thousand. I right, forget about it. We're never gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. I give up. I haven't even tried, <laughs> just, but I'm giving up. <laughs> you just took me right out of it. That's too much. <laughs> no, it, it's, it seems like a really fun thing. I hope it actually succeeds. Okay, well, we have a voicemail here. Listens to this show, goes and supports it. We should get to like 600. So 600. that's true. We're yeah. on our way. We have well over 500 people listening to this show. Okay, so we have a voicemail here from Dave. It's kind of weird, but I guess we'll listen to it. Hi, guys. This is Dave Waterman from Medina, Ohio. Just had to tell you a story about a couple of trees back on my um, the edge of my woods. One's a big beech tree, the other's a big birch tree. And I've heard them talking, and one of them saying, hey, that little tree down there growing between us, is that the son of a beech or the son of a birch? And a couple times I heard him saying that. And finally, one day, a woodpecker flew up into that beech tree, and the beech tree said, hey, woodpecker, fly down to that little tree down there and tell us whether that's a son of a beech or a son of a birch. So the woodpecker goes down there and comes back a few minutes later, and he said, well, it's not a son of a beech, and it's not a son of a birch, but it's the best ash I ever had my tool in. Take care. Have a good day, guys. Wow. Are we allowed to play that? (laughs) (laughs) It's a family show, Dave. What are you doing, man? That was awful. But I think a lot of people would find that funny. So there you go. Good joke. We should have Steve's joke hour on the show. Good stuff. Now, you guys know who else is expanding their retail locations? Not me. The the beach store. <laughs> Definitely not Chad. Rockler. They're expanding their retail locations. It's pretty cool. Uh, if you haven't been to a Rockler store lately, you may be missing out. Rockler has been expanding and remodeling many of its stores throughout the country. The latest to expand is their, guess what, guys? Denver oh, store. Making room for That's you. Right. The one and only. That's the right. Wood they, they I lived here, so like, let's do that one. <laughs> Let's focus on that one, guys. That's where Mark lives. Uh, so it, it nearly, they said doubled in size. There was like, it's in one of those like strip malls. So there's a couple of other small units that I think they purchased and just blew it out into one big place. Um, so they say that you'll find three times more lumber and expanded selection of power tools and accessories, more dust collection, router tables, T-track, hardware, and more. The Denver store also hosts a variety of classes and events in its dedicated classroom and event space. Visit rockler.com to find a store near you. And no matter which store you visit, you can count on Rockler for innovative products, expert advice, and great service. And I'll tell you what, I really, I'm sort of uh, feeling bad that I haven't gone there to look at this place because it sounds great. It's just been a busy week for me. I did want to check it out and I got the the notice in my email about it. Priorities, pretty cool, though. Priorities. I got to make, uh, I got to shift some things around. <laughs> Seriously, some people don't have access to a Rockler store. That's true. Like, like Shannon. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. Last Rockler store I went to was Portland, Maine, almost six years ago. That's nuts. Matt, you said you it's went sad. to one, uh, one yeah, of the stores recently? Yeah, it was uh, the, uh, the Maplewood was, store, which you talked about, I think, last episode, two episodes ago. The newly mm-hmm. expanded giant lumber section with all the new, like, milling stuff, so you can get all your, surf, your, wow, your wood surface while you're there. Uh, I was buying what was I doing? I was buying something there, but I also impulse buyed, impulse bought the uh, <laughs> <laughs> impulse buy. Let's go nice. with impulse buy. You I like what? that better. Let's just do it. <laughs> I done impulse buy it. And they had the uh, little sanding <laughs> contour, like uh, rubber thingies for like sanding moldings and yeah, yeah, yeah. The little grips. Like you know what? I got a project with a bunch of moldings on it. It was like thirteen dollars for like a set of like eight of them, different radiuses. That was like, mm-hmm. like in best impulse radii thing. <laughs> Radi- radius. You know what? Just keep going. Radi- this is great. Radiuses. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're all about the inside joke all stars over here. So there you go. I gave you another yep. one. Um, but I was, to work with. I was walking up to the, the checkout and one of the employees <laughs> walks up and he's like, you know, like, can I help you kind of thing? Like that's what I was expecting. But he's like, yeah, are you, are you Matt Cremona? I was like, yes. He's like, all right, okay, cool. V Macromona? I'll, I'll keep it quiet. I'll keep it hush. I'm like, what world am I living in? Your secret's good with me. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to, <laughs> you know, give you away that you're here. I'm like, what? 
<laughs> Does, doesn't your I'm face not, do I'm that? I'm not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, if people know who you are, do they need to hear... Matt, this is Matt Cremona over That's here. Like, <laughs> like they would see you and go, hey, look, it's Matt Cremona. Okay, cool. He's here all the time. Whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. I have, That's funny. Like, I'm not ready to go out in public. <laughs> so it, yeah. it was fun. Like, it was funny. Like, in the, like thinking about it now, but like in the moment, I'm like super confused. I'm like. So is this, are you, is this a like post COVID reaction? I mean, you've had people recognize yeah. you before. I mean, I was just, I, I'm not okay. used to like. Just the human contact. A lot of that was, of was that, yes. I'm not used to like talking to yeah. people anymore, like physically in person. So that kind of threw me off <laughs> right. too. So. Yeah. Getting up in people's faces. I think it was, his name was Jer- Jeremy. So thank you, Jeremy, for the fantastic experience at your store. It was, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And for this ridiculous <laughs> anecdote. Did you wash your hands immediately after? Obviously. Touch the mm. stuff. That's what you got to do these days. <laughs> I don't want any of your cooties. Of course. That makes sense. Uh, so I got a question. Did you look at the, a lot of like, did you look at the lumber prices? No, I didn't bother to look. Cause I that's what I'm curious tags, about. Kidding me? I oh, know. <laughs> Mr. Money over here. <laughs> price is no object to this guy. Uh, that's where I'm curious is how their prices stack up. Um, you know, with the expanded store, more inventory, you know, I'm, I'm curious where their prices are. Um, but definitely the availability. I'll go back next is, week. And I'll report. We'll do we can use, out, the new segment could be Matt's Rockley report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you could report live from Rockler. How about that? That might be kind of difficult. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, do like I haven't done and go to your lo- your local Rockler store. Check it out, especially if it's one of these expanded locations. Uh, report and back. Maybe someone will recognize you. One if you like what and, you see. Uh, keep it hush. Yeah, I didn't like that before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> no, nah, it's cool. I, I love meeting people. COVID was just a, a great excuse not to go out. <clears throat> okay, where are we here? Let's get into our questions today. So there is a group question from, uh, I'm going to call this guy Seattle Steve. Hey, Wood Talk. Longtime listener here, second time caller. My name is Steve out here in Seattle. And the question I wanted to pose to you all today might actually belong better in the dumb question category, but I forgot what the email is for that. So uh, here, here goes the same <laughs> email. My question for you all is, have you had any close calls in the shop? And if so, how have those close calls, close calls changed the way that you approached a tool, a technique, or maybe just woodworking in general. I had one two months ago that happened all using my table saw, all is well. I won't get into the details, but since then I have not actually turned on my table saw because I'm just a little bit timid. And so I know it's kind of a psychological barrier and the thing that happened, I've changed some practices to be more safe, but I'm just curious, have you all had close calls in your personal woodworking history. What are those and what did you learn from it? Thanks again. Take care. Hmm. Close calls. I I, I can think of two and I'm sure over the history of this show have talked about both of them. Uh, One time I nipped the tip of my finger on a bandsaw blade by doing this uh, thing that I believe it's Mark Adams at, at his school, they, I think they talk about this as a, a rule that you should never be seen doing. <laughs> it's like, and that's, Mark that's, Adams school taught me how to do this. <laughs> yeah, they taught me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, they, they're, like, they're very big on safety there. So certain things that they just kind of, you might not see in a book anywhere, but you go, yeah, this is what people do. Um, you never try to fetch an off cut piece, like when the bandsaw blade is moving and you never never like absolutely resist the urge to try to like swish the dust away with your hand. Um, because that's something that some of us may have a habit of doing, you know, and the, and the saw blade can still be spinning down as you go to whisk away some, uh, some of that dust. And what do you do? You get the tip of your finger (laughs) into the the blade. blade. So yes, you whisk your (laughs) finger away is what you do. (laughs) Bye bye fingertip. Um, so I actually did that right into the front of, um, can't remember which finger it was, just went back to the nail and it was, it was just an, I didn't need stitches or anything like that. I did get it checked out. Um, but it was just enough to scare the crap out of me and I have never grabbed for an off cut. I mean, I might do it with a, um, 
with another offcut, I might go and use it almost like a little stick and get it out of the way, but you'll never see me do that with my fingers and I will never try to get the dust away with my fingers. I will either blow it out of the way or wait until the blade stops. So that absolutely did uh, change my habits on that. Uh, what about you guys? Do you have another one? Do you have two? Uh, well, I do have another one. I did so the end yeah. grain on the jointer where I, I try to trim a board in length. <laughs> By, by running the end grain over the jointer with the board vertical and uh, quickly realized how bad of an idea that was. The thing snapped Ow. again, scared. This was early, early in my woodworking. Uh, scared the crap out of me. Like did some research and found out why that was a bad <laughs> idea. And obviously it, it, the simple solution is never that do that. In your, in your woodworking, you're like, this is like, how does no one thought of this idea? This is such a good idea. Like you can trim a board a little bit <laughs> off the end of the board. You can shoot it right there at the jointer. Yeah. Fantastic. How has no one thought of this? Yep. Yeah, that's why. I'm the smartest <laughs> woodworker in the world. <laughs> Famous last words. So, so what actually happened when you did that? Because I've, I've stopped people from doing that, like in classes at woodworking schools. I've mm-hmm. had to actually had that twice. So you're not the, obviously not the first person to think this is a good idea. Yep. But I've never actually seen anybody do it. So like, did it just snatch the board and toss it across the room or so, man, how big of a board were we talking here? Yeah, like a six inch wide board, three quarter stock. Um, I was taking a very light cut. That was the whole point. The board was just a little bit too long. And my dumb brain at the time said, hey, the jointer is perfect for taking <laughs> off just a little bit of material. And I got, I would All say right. I probably got about halfway through the cut. I mean, it's not like you can't do that. It's just at a certain point when the pressure is just in the right spot and the blade is at just the right height, it's going to grab it. So that's pretty much what happened about halfway through. Um, and this is just the straight blade cutter. It was uh, something I bought used from some, some local woodworker and uh, got about halfway through. And I don't know whether I just changed the pressure because obviously it's a very tippy board at that point too. Right. It's, you know, very tall and only six inches wide. Um, so I got about halfway through the blade caught and it just basically ran, you know, kind of like riving something straight through the middle of it. It kind of split the board down the middle, but the effect right. it had on me, thankfully didn't pull anything into the cutter head. It just kicked it back at me. And I wound up with like a blood blister at the base of my ring finger, um, was the, the, the extent of the injury, but it was basically like, just hit my hand really, really hard. Uh, but I think the, the scare <laughs> of the experience, yeah, like when you, when you don't know what you did wrong and something happens, that's the thing that makes you not want to go back to a tool for a long time. So yeah, that was, that was the second one for me. That'll what about you it. guys? Um, letting off cuts collect behind the table saw blade. Um, and the vibration of the saw caused one of them to vibrate into the saw. Whoops. And it threw it right back in my face. And I had safety glasses on, thank goodness. But safety glasses protect your eyes, not your temples. And it like the corner of the board, like whacked in just to the like the left side of my eye and drew blood and like freaked me out because <laughs> it happened so yeah. fast. Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't turn on my table saw for a couple of weeks. I think after that, it it seriously freaked me out. I think the table saw is one that's difficult to come back from, you know, when you have a real close call or, you know, God forbid a uh, actual injury there. I have a feeling that is one of the tools that people have the biggest, like most difficult time getting over. Well, but you know, just to balance it out since, you know, people are like, Oh, and that's why he uses hand tools. (laughs) That's not why, but um, I have had close calls with hand tools. They are not blameless in this as well. I was actually sawing with a, with a turning saw, I was um, cutting a, a piece of molding free from a larger board. So once you've stuck the the profile on the edge of the board, then you rip that down. And I was cutting, kind of making a coat cut on it. And it just hit like a soft spot in the board. So mm. the the regular rate that the blade was advancing, like tripled in one stroke. And <laughs> you know, it was a delicate piece and I was holding it so that my hand was in the path of the blade, but it was like six inches back. And you're thinking that's not, that's so far away. It's a handsaw. There's no way, but sure enough, it jumped. Um, I'm actually looking at the scar right now. I had a couple staples put into my palm to, uh, close up the, the wound. So yeah, there you Dang. go. Hand tools do it too. <laughs> okay. You're just going to get it no matter what you do woodworking no it's, it's awful now Stay- matt you work with you work with large timber type saws big circular saws um you got your sawmill chainsaws 
you got to have some kind of crazy close call with, with those with things, those, right? I mean, I have my, I have just, yes. Like something that could like take half well, of your I have, body. I off. mean, like I have, my, I have the close <laughs> calls that I was going to share for this that happened in the shop. I haven't, I really haven't had anything like crazy happen with the sawmill or like the logs. I mean, the only like the, the craziest thing that happened in relation to that aspect of my life is when I was felling a tree and it slid like sideways off the stump. And that was the moment when you learned that, oh yeah, the reason why you just keep a light hand on your chainsaw is so you can let go and run away and leave your saw. So I had that, yeah. but that like nothing happened except my saw got crushed. Um, that's not a huge deal, I guess, but the, the three like shop ones that, uh, I'll share. I think we've, I'm sure we've talked about these in the past before, but I think this is a good question because learn from our stupidity. So you don't have your own stupid experiences. <laughs> like I have had yeah. say, I think I could probably mention a few more. We could go on for a while. I, I think it's want. useful. Uh, so I got three that, that I'm going to share. I have one for the table saw, one for the bandsaw, and then one for the planer. The first one's on the table saw. The week after I got married, I had one of these uh, metal band things on my ring finger, which I hadn't had there before. And I was ripping, making multiple rip passes at the table saw. And I was pulling the work piece back to make these next rip cut. And I was expecting it to slide through my hand. But the corner of that board, that board got stuck on my ring and pivoted towards the back of the saw blade. And back then I didn't have a table saw with a riving knife or a splitter. So that mm. could have ended very poorly. Luckily, it didn't. And now I don't wear a ring. <laughs> so I learned that lesson mm -hmm. okay. pretty quickly. Uh, the second one on the bandsaw, I tried to cut a globe in half freehand. Oh, a 12 yeah. inch diameter globe. Wow. So, the, you know, I had the guides all the way up. You got, and then uh, I go to start cutting the globe. And of course, it's round. So it gets pulled into a rolling fashion into the blade. And in a moment's notice, all of a sudden there was no more globe there. My hands were somehow still floating in the air and there was 12 inches of blade oh, just God. sitting there staring me in the face. Ooh, I'm like, baby. I could have lost my whole hand in that moment. That's a, that's a physics that lesson was, right there. So now I'm like, telling people like, <laughs> why, why do you spend so much time talking about the safety of cutting round things on a bandsaw? That's why. It can go, it can go sideways in an instant. In an instant. Man, it, every time I cut um, splits for my smoker, so I get like full-size splits from this place that does firewood, and I got to chop them down a little bit because I have a pretty small 36-inch smoker, so I want like little Coke-size, bottle-size uh, pieces of wood. And there's really no great way to cut them because it's all weird-shaped splits. The The miter saw is terrible for that. The band saw. Um, you if ever the used piece an axe? <laughs> Sorry, no, I don't want to cut them. School? No, I'm not cutting them along the grain. I want to cut them in half. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, what I mean? it's All like right. a, it's like a 14 inch, you know, 16 inch piece. I just want to cut it in half or cut it in thirds if I can. Um, and even those, which kind of, they're a little bit more, they're not quite round, but there are round parts. It's very uneven cutting that through the bandsaw. There's times I'll do that. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I need to find another way to do this because that's making me nervous. your Sam Maloof. Yeah, and it's not, even a, it's not even a, a true circle. So like a globe or, <laughs> you know, a cylindrical item. Yeah, oh, pretty scary yeah. stuff. So that was, that one, like, that was like a change of pants moment. Like, Lindsay was in the shop that time too because I was cutting this globe for her. I'm like, oh, no problem. It cuts in half of you in an instant. Yeah, no. I've ruined the globe. <laughs> <laughs> Poor uh, globey. And my third one is uh, with, with the planer. <laughs> So I got uh, upgraded to one of those, you know, power planer, power, the um, stationary planers with the actual feed rollers mm -hmm. in it. And what I would do is I would stand on the outfeed side, hold the board up as it's kind of feeding out. I lost my awareness of my surroundings and how far away from the plane I was getting. And my hand was holding the bot, the end of the board and it ran into the workbench. And now my hand is mm. pinched between a board coming out of a planer oh. and a non-movable object. Yeah. Oh, and the planer God, starts walking away from me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I just broke my hand in the dumbest way possible. Uh, that's hilarious. Actually, I had like a lot of swelling. <laughs> Nothing broke. But like I'm sitting there, I'm pinned. Like I'm just, I'm pinned. Like, and I was, I still had like a, like a, a foot and a half or so to go. For the moment my hand impacted that workbench. 
So I'm sitting there watching. I can't move because I'm stuck. I'm just watching this planer continue feeding, pressing into my hand, and it's gradually walking across the floor. Like this oh, is man. Ugh, I was so that was one of the more I think that was the most terrifying experience because it lasted the longest. It, it wasn't over. <laughs> yeah, it was so <laughs> slow, right? And the whole time it's like I'm slow watching my motion. hand be broken into a million pieces right now. That is one of the things with the planer that maybe a safety aspect, well, planer, drum sander, any auto feed tool like that, that people don't real, maybe don't realize how powerful that is. And so I always tell people when you're feeding something into the planer, try not to ever have your fingers under the board. Always yeah, put things right. on the planer with your hands was, above the board because the times when that thing smacks down, if your finger is under it, <laughs> oh baby, that's not going to feel good. And I never thought about yeah. the outfeed right. catching, you know, as it's coming out, pressing into something. That's an aspect of the same thing. I didn't, I didn't really think, think about it either. And I'm like, oh, great. Here we are. Dang. So <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been bit on the in feed where my mm -hmm. fingers were just trailing or like cupped around mm -hmm. under the board. Yeah. And it like just, just a tiny bit like pinched my finger and I like, oh, and pulled away real quick. But yeah. And that was actually well, I guess I want to say relatively recently because it's my current planer, but that thing's seven years old now. Um, but Whew. yeah, it was shortly after. And that's the other thing. Those bigger planers, they oh, pull yeah. harder. <laughs> so yeah. Go figure. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I didn't have it bolstered the floor. Yeah. Like oh, some, man. Because what's going to happen, either your hand's going to give, the workbench is going to give, or the planer is going to move. And depending well, on your situation. <laughs> there's another reason for mobile bases, right? Not just being able to have access in the shop, yeah. but so that it actually starts to roll yeah. when it pressure, needs to move. Yeah, I don't expect relief. it to happen again, hopefully, but I don't lock the base on my planer anymore. Just from that experience. Yeah, if, if it happens for whatever wow. reason, at least I know it's going to roll and not hurt as much. I, I, I've had things like my... Um, on the outfit side of my planer, I've got a, a router table that might be in the way and a, a little cart that I have my MFT on. And both of those, thankfully, are on wheels. But still, if it's positioned just the right way, it may not roll very easily. And I always just think in terms of, well, I don't want the workpiece to hit it because it's going to be inconvenient. <laughs> I don't I don't think of it from a safety perspective. You happen to be standing there and just not paying attention or totally aware of, uh, you know, yeah. where your body is. Yeah. Oof. I don't know. I don't know how I, that's like the biggest hey close call too. Cause I don't know how I walked out of that without a broken hand. Yeah, really? Well, you drink a lot of milk. I do. So got a lot of okay. calcium. <laughs> you say so. <laughs> I say so. <laughs> I don't know how you okay. know that. Well, we've got a lot of questions. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making things up. Uh, let's get to our questions here really quickly. We're going long today. Um, Shannon, you're up. All right. This is from Steven. He says, I have drunk the Kool-Aid. I'm down the rabbit hole and my Blackburn 48 inch frame saw arrives today. Now my efforts in resawing have so far revolved around small pieces, six inches wide or less on my 10 inch bandsaw and a smaller than desired panel saw. Your videos and others online indicate your preference to create a kerf around a board to help start and guide a big frame saw in the cut along with frequent board flipping. What's the best way to make the kerf if you don't have one of those fancy kerfing planes lying around? Obviously, this question was addressed to me directly because I don't think Matt or Mark have videos um, showing how to resaw by hand. But he's probably I don't not understand about that series of words <laughs> at all. <laughs> it does not compute. It does not compute. Are we we are talking about knitting now? Is that is this? <laughs> yes. You may uh, as well be. <laughs> well, he's he's not watching my videos either because I do not have a fancy curving <laughs> plane either. I don't think they're worthwhile um i'm not oh, a fan of shannon them. takes a position um, i here make a start let's do it all right here we go <laughs> let's do it um, let's I, go I let's go lady. Starting... <laughs> oh, good lord get popcorn <laughs> uh, we're gonna just enrage the hand toolers watch out they're coming at you very slowly <laughs> right they'll be there eventually but man is it Careful. gonna be nice when they get there <laughs> Careful of their 115 horsepower. They might hurt you. So, um, yeah. So the, the big saw, it does not technically need a starter curve, but it certainly is a lot easier if you have one. So I use just my regular five points per inch rip saw to create a starter curve across the top of the board. And that's it. Um, a lot of people started, they came up with this curfing plane idea, which is not a new idea. There's, there's a vintage Stanley version of it. And they run that curve all the way around. So the curfing plane is like a plow plane. It's got a fence on it and it's setting that, you know, a little saw that's cutting uh, whatever the size of the curve is all the way around the board. I don't think that's necessary at all. In fact, it kind of is a bit of a disservice because people think because I've got that curve, 
the saw is just going to follow that curve and it <laughs> never does. I guarantee you if you're using a if you're using a frame saw that's meant for resawing that's got like 4 or 3 or 2 points per inch, it's going to go whatever direction it wants to go. That little eighth inch, quarter inch deep curve around the edge is not going to guide it. So a lot of people get a false sense of security and then they can't figure out why their their resaw didn't come out properly. And then they just spent like, I don't know how long it takes to run a curve all around the board, but a couple of minutes and it's just not necessary. So um, curving planes are pretty. There are a lot of makers out there who make really cool ones with adjustable fences. Tom Fidgen's got two in his book. Um, Isaac at Blackburn makes one as well. I don't have one, never seen the need to use one. If you already have a handsaw, just make the curve across the top and get to work. Okay. <laughs> okay. Take that, curve plane I users. I can't wait for that one to come back. I can see Shannon using your curving planes, Rob. That's yep. the problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, this one's from Kyle. It says, Matt, I noticed a cherry tree used salad from the ratio. My family lost a few trees from that same storm. A few of them are walnut, ranging from three to six feet in diameter. Weighing costs and time, what's the best way to mill these? Rent saw time somewhere, buy an Alaska mill, and do it myself? I have the ability to move the logs to a sawyer, and the work associated with the Alaska mill doesn't bother me. So, <clears throat> uh, I guess as far as cost and time goes, like if you don't already have an Alaska mill and a big giant saw to run it, it's going to be a lot cheaper to take it to somebody that can cut it for you. Uh, I think the, the issue you're going to run into with a log that big is finding someone with a saw big enough to actually cut it. But normally like the, the biggest issue with that is getting the logs to that person, but you already have that kind of yeah. taken care of. So, I mean, if you can find somebody that can cut that for you, that's going to be the way to go. You're going to be, you're going to come out ahead, like cost and time wise, because cutting that many, cutting a log that big with Alaska mill is going to take a lot of time. And you have the startup cost of buying the mill if you don't already have one. Um, I don't know. Is that What's something the you learning do? curve like though, Matt? No. I mean, I would worry like if this were my first one, like if he doesn't have an Alaskan mill, so this is going to be the first time he used it. I wouldn't want to do what? it on Walnut. It's I'm assuming he's precious. lost other trees around there. They can kind of, mess around with some practice, <laughs> some practice trees. trees. Some yeah, I mean, I, trees. <laughs> yes, I probably wouldn't jump straight to cutting a six foot diameter walnut on your first go at it <laughs> well, there's with that the Alaskan too. mill. Six foot that's, diameter or anything. I mean, that's big. <laughs> that's, that's really big. But even for an Alaskan mill, that's still, that's, that's some serious cutting and you'll be at it for a while. So that's big for yeah. walnut too. Damn, that's a that's, really oh, big it's walnut. It's just like a crotch. I want section two explain to six but that's, even enough. that's still pretty ridiculous um but yeah i think the hardest thing with this scenario was finding someone that can actually cut it for you and then finding someone who's not going to do the crap job of cutting it for you is that something you would do for i've someone? done it in the past i don't really like do it like as like a thing like advertise it because like yeah. it's it's on my time essentially so like the weight list right now is like oh, maybe like next year sometime i have a few people that might come by normally it's like hey man i have this really cool thing from somewhere far away that has an interesting story or it doesn't like grow where you're at and then we talk for a while and it's like it takes like a year <laughs> by the time it actually like happens right. um but yeah i don't know i have i've done it i can do it if you want to come here i guess it sounds like he's close yeah why the hell not come on up I'm a, Come on, I'm a matchmaker. Come on up here, and we'll here. <laughs> trying to make trying to make some. We'll, uh, we'll make love some videos of you of your giant <laughs> walnut logs. <laughs> right. I I want to know what means he has to move it because maybe he's got maybe he's got a tail really handler like I do. That's hard to move. Yeah, maybe maybe he's just he's already he's watched enough of your videos that he's built a log arch, but he hasn't built the bandsaw yet. The, so yeah, he's half go. Cremona. <laughs> hasn't gotten full Cremona yet. <laughs> has gone full Cremona. <laughs> never, never go full Cremona, you guys. <laughs> oh, geez. Now I got to write down it. <laughs> never go full Cremona. Okay, I got a question here from Steve. Uh, Steve says, I originally started to listen, trying to get tips and advice, but quickly realized that was futile. Invariably, someone will say spooch, poochie, or poo-poo. 
and the show will break down into useless giggles. It sounds like this guy's listened to the show. So knowing that, I can't expect woodworking advice from you three. I am left to ask a different question. When did rustic change from being a style of furniture into a term that people use when they just build crap? Why can't rustic furniture be good quality? It's kind of an interesting question. I think the whole rustic furniture thing is kind of like it was an opportunistic thing when people started to get more of an interest in making things themselves. I would say like in the last 10 years or so that kind of coincided with the, I guess the fashion, you know, as far as home decor and stuff like that goes, some rustic things started to become a little bit more in style. And these things kind of happened at the same time, Uh, which means that you can make something that really truly is a piece of crap, but just call it rustic, or you can actually make something that's in a rustic style, but it's still fundamentally a really good piece of furniture. So I'm going to disagree a little bit with that. I don't think every piece of rustic furniture these days is crap. Um, There are people making good stuff. I don't actually personally really like rustic furniture that much, so I don't follow a lot of people who do it. But there's one guy I follow on Instagram, uh, Luke Adamson, Echo Peak Design. He definitely builds in a rustic style, but the stuff he's building is fundamentally sound. It's really good quality furniture. Um, it's something you'd be proud to have in your home, uh, but it definitely falls into that rustic appearance. So it's interesting to think about these things though. I mean, if, if rustic is in vogue and then suddenly a bunch of people get new tools and start building stuff and it isn't too hard to make stuff look rustic, you just use maybe a lower quality wood and some stain and just slap it together. If there's cracks, who cares? It's rustic. Uh, but I do think there's more to it to the people who are really doing it right. Uh, I'm thinking Matt Vanderlis at this point. I believe he used that term several times early on in the show when he would yeah. have something go wrong. He's like, oh, I'm calling it rustic. <laughs> yeah, it's rustic. <laughs> I think that's, that might be part of the problem too is we almost make it the butt of a joke, right? Like as soon as it right. gets, as soon as it's screwed up enough, then it becomes rustic. <laughs> like, yeah. But I guess that's yeah. the problem when you when when a style in and of itself is something looking aged, having a patina, maybe not looking perfect then it lends itself to these jokes and to also to people who are new, who may almost unintentionally include those rustic elements in it. Um, But definitely go check out Echo Peak Design on Instagram if you want to see a good example of somebody making rustic furniture that knows what the heck he's doing. All right. Lumber industry can be blamed too, because anytime it's low quality, they call it rustic grade. There you go. (laughs) If it's it's too bad of a quality to be called common, (laughs) it's rustic. Yeah. Very good point. Okay. Well, I think that does it for us today. Remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler. Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you or use the code WOODTALK. That's all one word. Use that on their website to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a dust right dust separator. We're proud of them. They may not be proud of us. Go Rockler. <laughs> hey, there's our new t-shirt. So go, go Rockler folks, t-shirts. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Please <laughs> go Rockler t-shirts. We need that. We need that. What, what we need is one of those sites where like you vote. If we get 10,000 votes over the next 441 days, we'll make sure. a new t-shirt. That sounds good. I think Rockler needs to make that shirt though, not us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so let us know what what you think. No, don't do that. Don't Actually, we don't. We don't want to drag Rockler into this anymore. Um, just send us questions. How about that? That's much better. Can't do this show without your questions. So send those questions over at woodtalkshow.com. There's a form to fill out there, or you can find us on Instagram at woodtalkshow, or you can send us an email or a voicemail like we had this week to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. And you know, we always want to continue thanking Margaret. She's doing a fantastic job running social media over there. But Yay, you know, I, I have to particularly thank Nick Key of Key Woodworks this week because he edits all of my technical problems. And, uh, I think he, <laughs> yeah, he does. Nick, <laughs> very much. I wouldn't be a part of this show if it wasn't for you, <laughs> I think. Sometimes this show is stitched together from Literally a thousand pieces. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you for listening, you... everybody. Well, I, you, you were listening. saying something? I was just going to say it. Anybody who wants to call my local ISP and blame them because 
everything looks good on my end, so it's got to be yeah. the ISP. I blame Doesn't them. make any sense. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.